Welcome to Small Church Shepherds, a weekly podcast of smallchurchshepherds.com, a ministry that exists to equip, enrich, and encourage small church pastors. I'm Dennis Ellingberg from Antioch Baptist Church in Brandon, Mississippi. And I'm James Clardy. I'm a teaching elder and member at Grace Falls Church. And I'm Jonathan Greer. I'm pastor at Franklin Creek Baptist Church in Moss Point, Mississippi. Uh, well, guys, today for our topic, we're actually doing a follow-up to last week's podcast on longevity and the question of uh, whether or not longevity is important. And last week, um, I'm going to go ahead and take the hit on that. Um, I had had surgery on Tuesday, and so I was not feeling my best, and so I cut it short, and so I want to apologize for that. But today we're going to hit some questions. After we were through, we started talking and we said, you know what, we really didn't do that topic justice. And so today we're going to try to hit some of those questions we didn't ask, make sure we really flesh out this topic so that we really get into longevity and its importance. And so I think a good place to um, to start off with, and, and one of the questions that we really didn't hit that we really wanted to hit was this question. What are some of the effects that we see in churches due to a lack of longevity? As we look at churches and we look at the way that they function and some of the things that we we complain about when we go into a church is how many of those things are caused or have one of their causes in a lack of longevity of pastors. And so, Jonathan, let's start with you. What are some things you see? Well, I think the first thing that uh, we've all kind of talked about when we weren't recording is this rise of the super deacon, um, right. where you have deacons in the church that because there has not been a consistent pastoral leadership, you have deacons that at no fault of their own, really, it's just for the survival of the church, they're having to step up. And they actually, though they're not qualified um, scripturally, they're performing the dually, the task of a deacon and an elder. Um, and and then when you have a pastor come in like like us, uh, it is it ends up being a, a battle for authority and a battle for how things are going to operate because the deacons don't even realize that they're overstepping their bounds because they're just doing what they've always had to do to make sure that their church survived. Um, and But that's a pretty big problem. What do y'all think? Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. And and I guess to, to sympathize with those churches, it's somewhat our fault. And I use the word our, I mean collectively pastors and, and the modern mm-hmm. phenomenon of staying in two to three years. Because you used a key word there, Jonathan, survive. They're doing what they have to do to survive. And when leadership is gone, a vacuum is created, and whoever is seen as influential, powerful, a good leader, it be a deacon or whoever it may be, um, they fill that void. And then we come in, and, and, and I know our theology of the pastorate that we're seeking to stay for a while and help a church become vibrant, healthy, and Christ-centered yeah, that 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 deacon, whoever it may be, you're gonna you're gonna bump some heads with them, you know. And and I right. and, and in my notes, I took down it for me. It went down to basically is a lack of trust in leadership, far as a mark, right. not just that mega that one deacon you're gonna run into, but ultimately in the church, you see that there's a lack of trust in its leadership. Right, and 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 look, I mean, I can understand that because. A lot of times pastors have not been trustworthy. They've not been faithful to stay. They've not been faithful to continue. And, and, and a lot of times with, 
with uh, churches, you look at a pastor and, and because so many churches, especially small churches, have been used as stepping stones, mm-hmm. then they sort of get this this feeling that, you know, you're just using us until something better comes along. And that can cause that distrust. And it's not a distrust in the sense that they don't trust us as men. It's just that they can't trust their lives to us because they don't know if next week they're, we're going to be gone because something better came along. And so I, I completely understand how that comes into being, you know, how that, that distrust comes into being. Yeah, and I think what you, you got to see is because as that lack of trust is built um, over the years, that when you come into that situation, you have to have the mindset, again, going back to last week, what we talked about some, our last podcast, was simply is remembering your call and being patient and sticking with that call. Right. Yeah, which that kind of leads us, I think, before it kind of the following the flow of the conversation, before we bring up another issue, is what is the solution to this problem? And the only way to repair this particular problem is by enduring with the church long enough for them to say, hey, this guy's not going to run out on us. Hey, this guy... He wasn't just there for me to get saved. He was there when my children have gotten saved. And, you know, right. this guy was here when and fill in the blank with some important life event in these people's lives. And, and, and they need to see that, you know what, it's it's been this man who has been there with me. He's the one who's right. been ministering to me and sharing God's word. And I think only with that are we really going to see a turnaround uh, in the role of the leadership in the church. And I also think that we've got to be honest with people about how all this works, because I think sometimes we say things like, I want to be here for 25 years or 20 years when we go into a church. And we mean that. And I don't think any guy who goes into a church goes in there with the intention of I'm going to be here three years. Well, let me take that back. I'm not going to say no guys, but most guys who go into a church go in there with the intention to be there a long period of time. And I think just being honest, I actually had, uh, somebody on our staff come up to me the other day and asked me, they said, well, do, you know, are you planning on being here long term? And my answer was, my plan is yes. Um, now, we both understand that we work at the will of the king, and that's God. And and he has he makes the final determination of how long any of us stay somewhere. But, um, you know, as far as my plan, I'm not planning to do anything else. James? Yeah. Yeah. And, and besides another side effect, besides lack of trust and leadership is just they have there's a lack of growth as well. They become stagnant and, and a lot of churches stay where they're at because this pattern started 20 years ago. You fast mm-hmm. forward 20 years. They're mm-hmm. in a lot of times in the same place because they've had so many pastors, so many interims, all the, those things, pulpit supply. That there's not been one man with a biblical, I use the word biblical vision to help disciple, to grow, to accomplish the mission. And so therefore you come in there physically and spiritually, you see not much growth has taken place because no one's been able to sit there as the main discipler and work with them. Right. And, and, and I think also, I think just to sort of piggyback on what you just said, James, about um, growth. I think one of the reasons why some of this damage occurs is because our people are so immature because there is so much immaturity to the church that um, a lot of times what churches do and members of churches do 
is because they're not reading their Bible daily, because they're not in the word continually, then the pastor becomes their their spiritual growth tool. And so when a pastor leaves, it creates this void that they have no way to fill because they've been using that pastor as a supplement or or really um, they're using the pastor as um, as their form of spiritual growth and maturity as opposed to their quiet time and spending time in God's word. And that's a dangerous way to be. I mean, it just yeah. creates these problems. Well, I think hitting on that, that idea of growth, it kind of goes into what I kind of what we were talking about earlier about survival right. is when you don't have a pastor staying long time, long term at a church, that is all that church is doing is surviving. They're, right. they're not thriving. Oh, yeah. They're not growing. They're not maturing. They're not yeah. all of those things that a church should be doing. They, right. They're not when a pastor is only staying there two, three years at a time. It takes, it takes a pastor sticking with a church for any of those things to do. And what happens, and this is, again, collectively on us as pastors, a lot of times the reason a pastor will stay at a church for two or three years is because they get there and then they get to the end of three years and say, look, I've been with these people three years and they're still babies eating milk. You know, right. they're they're not on to the stakes. I'm not seeing, you know, we should be doing this. And the reality is, you know what, three years, how long did it take those that church to get that way? And like right. James said earlier, sometimes that was a 20-year process to get them there. You're not going to fix a 20-year error in a three-year course corrective. Yeah. No, and, and, and all the all the positives of longevity, you can flip that and, make, and do it vice versa. All the positives can be the negatives when there's just a rotation of pastors in that church. Everything that right. you want for them in longevity, you can almost do again flip it and say, "Here's the negatives." Now they don't trust ministers. They don't. It's not that right. they don't think you have good character, but you have to build equity. All right, you right. Have to build equity, and that's where. And you see articles and blogs all the time. Your first three to five years in the pastor, what all you're doing is building trust, and when they trust you. Then you lead, and then you start seeing that positive growth in those different areas. And um, and that's one of the reasons at the beginning I said, you know, I'm sympathetic because all of us have gone into traditional churches that have been established for a long time. We've had more times than not have had a rotating door of ministers. And so because of that, it took three to five years. And at the fifth year, you start seeing opening of the hearts and trust to go, this man has married us. He's buried us. He's visited us. He's suffered with us, and he stayed the course. And all of a sudden, you start seeing those bigger changes, not just changing Mm -hmm. something in a program. I mean, think about the deacon you talked about a while ago. Um, You stay there five years and love on him and challenge him and uh, uh, spend time with him. Um, You'll be surprised all of a sudden. They'll say, oh, wow, I've been been a pseudo-elder. That's not my role. Or, hey, Mm -hmm. will you – I was just doing what I had to do to make sure the door stayed open one more week, you know. Okay. Um, So with that in line, that in line, um, let's move on to the next question. There's some things you said there that I want us to hit on a little bit later. The next question I think we need to ask is this. How can staying too long damage a church? How can a pastor or what are some of the factors that cause – that longevity to, to cease to be something good and start being something bad in the church. James, let's start with you. Um, I, 
my first, well, my second church I was pastoring, the ministry before me had been there for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, at first, I thought that was brilliant. It was wonderful. Um, as I stayed there longer and longer and talked to the people, unfortunately, he had some really bad theology. He was actually a neo-Orthodox minister. Oh, wow. Um, yes, this was, a, this was a Southern Baptist church, by the way. But anyway, um, a lot of that bad doctrine had spread out there because it had been there for so long. And so right. I, I would easily say one of the things that hurts the local church, if someone stays too long, especially if they are not uh, doctrinally and theologically sound, um, I, I would definitely say that has a, a, obviously a negative impact if it's three years or, or longer. But um, but yeah, the, the only some of the thoughts that come to my mind when he stays too long is if there's if there's not bad work but negative things start happening in, in the church, all of a sudden you start in a process that's not healthy, effective anymore. And long as that person's still in leadership, those things will stay in place, and therefore, long term, it can also hurt that local church. Well, and and that's definitely a negative thing, but I can think also of a positive th- reason that it, you know things going good, but yet longevity too bad. Uh, and this is a personal. I had a director of missions that uh, before he was a director of missions, he had pastored a church um, and did phenomenal there. He was there for like fifteen, twenty years. I can't remember exactly, but the church was because of his longevity, because of his faithful ministry. The church grew from when he first got there to 80, 90 members to over 250, pushing 300 by the time right. he left. And what he had found at the end of that 15, 20 years is that he was no longer gifted in the areas that church needed for him. You know, like he, they had brought on a bunch of extra staff. He wasn't the only pastor. When he first got there, he was the only pastor. Now all of a sudden they got five pastors, um, five different ministers. You know, now all of a sudden all this programming and things. And, and yeah, you could say that there were maybe some leadership structure things that probably could have enabled him to stay and be faithful there, but he was the head pastor and obviously he saw himself as not being gifted enough. Uh, to manage that situation. So he left to become a director of mission, not because he was teaching bad theology or anything like that, but just because the church had become something he was no longer gifted to to lead. Um, And so if he had chosen to stay in that situation, which I know a lot of, I can think of stories of pastors who have, they will turn something that is good into a mess. Um, Right. and and then what's going good would eventually have messed up and failed. Um, but because he stepped out of the picture at an appropriate time and and they got a new pastor in who was gifted at leading a larger staff, at leading a larger church, um, that church was able to continue to thrive. Right. Um, but I also think there's a point when if you're looking at your own personal life, let's say you're looking at your personal quiet time. You know, we all go through seasons. And if you're at a place where um, spiritually, emotionally, um, physically, you're unable to do what the church needs. And, and, and I'm not talking about, you know, a six-month season. We all have those periods. And it, it may even last a year where you're just dry. I've gone through those times where I'm just like, man, I am so dry. And um, if it becomes a point where it gets, begins to 
reverse the things that God is doing in the church and become a detriment to the church, then at that point, it might be where um, you staying becomes negative to the growth of that church. And it might be a time for you to step back. I could also think of, you know, whenever, luckily we're not at that point yet, but I think when there's a, a point where a pastor is using a church as a retirement program, that could be negative to the church yeah. because, you know, mm-hmm. he's reached an age where he's no longer effective, but because he can't afford to resign, he hangs on. And that can create um, that that issue. But then a, a third one is whenever a pastor stops reaching out to the to to the community, he becomes a part of a clique or a status quo, and he becomes ingrained in that. That that could also be a negative. Those are some of the times when I think as pastors we have to be wise enough to say, you know what, this might be the season where it's time for me and my family to move on. Well, James, did you want to say something before I jumped in? No, jump in, brother. Okay. Uh, one thing I think, and it, you see it more in like mega churches, but it happens in smaller churches more than people realize, and that is that pastors develop a cult of personality. Right. And and a lot of times. Oh, I would say it happens just as much in small churches. Yeah, just as much. As, and, and and you get and the pastor is is elevated. To almost a godlike, just saintly position, and it's to the point where people think, "Well, this is the greatest thing, and no one can do it like him." And then all of a sudden, maybe he's false in his personal life. Maybe he has a moral failure that he's hiding, um, or or something like that. And and you realize. That you as a pastor, if you have developed a cult of personality, what that really means is you have not been leading in a way to where you are setting people up for success when you can't be there. Like, right. and and that's the thing. Like, all right, you've been there too long. If you're to the point where the only way that church is going to succeed is if you stay, um, you, that's that's yeah. a, a problem. The the thought that keeps coming to my mind is hearing the two of you just give some really good points is um, instead of longevity being the problem so many times. And if you're a pastor listening to this, you got to keep yourself in check. You got to, you have to have self-awareness of yourself, your heart and your context Um, because it might not be your 20. It may be your 10 and, and, you know, but going to the point of, the minister himself, you have to have wisdom. You have to have insight and patience and humility. Like, you know, Dennis was talking about to say, you know what? I'm not being effective. I can't keep up with the size, the work, what's required of me. Um, I need to be humble and step down instead of saying, well, I can do this for five more years, cash out, so to speak, and hit my retirement, right. you know. Right. Um, you, no, you, you cannot do that to the bride of Christ if you love her. Right. Right. Um, and we are servants. We're servants of that bride. So as you guys were talking, I'm, it just came in my mind, short term or long term, and I know our context is longevity, but as a minister, we have to have that self-awareness about ourselves and about our context. I think it is wise and humble for a man to go, hey, I'm over my eye. I either need to get someone here in, in here to help me or I can move on whatever's good for the bride of Christ. And that's hard. That's right. tough. I, I admire the man that Jonathan was talking about. That's that's a lot of right. character. And that's the thing that keeps coming to my mind as we have this conversation is we have to be men of character 
to do what is right. right biblically for the church. Right. Okay, so let's move on to our next topic, and, I, and this one sort of goes into to some of the other things we've said. Is there ever a time when it's okay to leave early? And what are some of the factors that make leaving early preferable? Because I know in my talks with pastors, there, there are a lot of pastors that I know who would love to stay at a church 10, 20 years, but they've never had the circumstances work out for them where they can. And, and I'm one of those guys. I mean, I've stayed, you know, five, four or five years at the churches I've been at. So what are some of the times when you're, you're, you're looking at the church and you're saying, okay, it's time to move on and it's okay. I mean, we, we're not talking about, you get what I'm saying? When is it okay for us to leave yeah. early? Um, go ahead. I would say it just from my personal experience, one, uh, in reasons that I have left early, um, is if there is turmoil in your family, and if that turmoil is caused by a toxic church member, um, there there is benefit to pushing through, to trying to love on that church member, to 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 pray with them and try to disciple them and, and bring them um, through whatever is going on in their lives. But if it gets to the point to where your family and your marriage is suffering because of this. Then it's time to say maybe, maybe it's time that we get away from this toxic environment and, and this this toxic person that is being in, in in our lives because ultimately your marriage and your family is more important than right. being able to stay at a church, you know. And if it comes to the point between you say I'm going to stay at the church and lose my marriage or I'm going to leave this church and save my marriage, you choose your marriage every time. Oh yeah, I, mean, I agree 100% on that. My the two that come to my mind is doctrine and family, you know, two reasons to leave early. And, and what, of course, like I said, doctrinally, and what you have to do personally is you, you have to know the heels that you're willing to die on. Okay. Um, and so, and you already know going into a context, um, and through the interview process, you should already ask some basic questions about their leadership structure, their doctrine, things of that nature. Now, I know some things become disclosed when you get there and you might be, oh, my goodness. Well, um, we're sorry we just lost James. James was coming over his iPhone. Um, but what he was saying is he was saying, you know, we need to have some non-negotiable, non-negotiable doctrines that we stand on, some hills that we're willing to die on. And, um, you know, our families are one of them. And then the other one is, you know, the word of God, that it's inerrant, that it is it's perfect. And that's what we're going to use for doctrine and devotion as far as our church goes. And so um, we need to set in our minds that those are things we're not going to, going to negotiate on. But those are things that we're going to those are hills we're going to die on. Now, like James said, um, you guys didn't get to hear this, but we did. James said that uh, we need to be wise about it. You know, we need to be wise about when are times when we can compromise when it comes to um, non-negotiable or negotiables. Um, And we need to be compromising on things that are not, you know, first things. Uh, But we also need to be willing to stand up for the things and to do the even when we stand up to do it in a wise way. I think I've seen so many guys get into trouble, not because what they're saying wasn't true and wasn't accurate and wasn't biblical, but because the way they said it and the way they approached the other people in the church 
was confrontational and it created um, confrontation that, that wasn't necessary. It wasn't Definitely. something that was necessary. Tone is, is very important when you communicate things. Um, well, one of the things I say, reasons you might think about leaving, um, is if you have a change in, in doctrine yourself right. that you, that you are not able to lead your church along with you in, right. you know, um, there, there are certain things like you have to understand, as you said, prioritizing, figuring out your heels to die on. Um, it is okay for a pastor to have secondary and tertiary doctrines that they disagree with their church on. Right. You know, right. but if you, if you have a, a, a vital doctrine change on a primary issue, like something like well, salvation. Well, 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 let's just throw out the let's just throw out the word that everybody's afraid to talk about the reformed. I mean, let's yeah. say you move from an Armenian to a more reformed point of view. Exactly. That can cause great problems in a church. It, it can. It, it just depends on the church. Like, let's take right. my church for example. The church I pastor, I am reformed. Um, I subscribed to the 1689 uh, London Baptist Confession, but my church does not. Um, right. And many in my church struggle really hard with the idea of predestination of election um but we have come to an agreement as a church where they know what i believe they know what i stand to and they basically come to the agreement of if you can just show us this in scripture we're willing to follow you and so you know what i'm doing is i'm taking the slow road over years i'm not pushing them all right now that you've agreed to this let's adopt the 1689 as a church and make it our standard what i'm doing is i'm just teaching faithfully through the word of god i am trying to guide them in that way i'm not hiding what i believe we're open and honest now if i had come to them and come in not reformed and then all of a sudden over my study become reformed and i came to them and told them that and they said there we are not going with you we don't want to go with you right well i, I know for me in my church right now they're, they're they just did a study they just went through a study on heaven and now that the conversation is beginning you know they want to do one on revelation well, I, I had the conversation with my church the other day. I am not a, I'm not a dispensationalist and mm-hmm. the majority of my church is. And I said, look, I said, I'm more than willing to teach this, but I want you guys to know I'm not a dispensationalist. I'm not going to teach the left behind version of, of revelation. And so we had that conversation. And I said, so the best way for us to do this is I'm going to teach if, if I do a study on revelation, I'm going to teach the different various views on revelation. And I'm going to say, this is what I believe, but here are the other views. This is what um, I know most of you would, would probably believe. And, then, and let people, as they study the Word of God, and, and challenge them. Don't let it be your tradition. Let it be because you've studied the Word of God and you are convicted and you are convinced that this is where um, God's Word is leading. Uh, but, but I agree with you. When you have those arguments, that could cause to a lack of longevity. And, and then the, another reason... I think sometimes is, and I think this is not a spiritual of a reason, but I think sometimes there are personality issues and there are calling issues that could cause a guy to leave. James and I talked about this the other day. We have a friend who um, said to me, you know, Dennis, um, I just feel like maybe my ministry is to go into a church and help go into a church that's had problems, and maybe God's just gifted me to go and help get that church back on the right path. 
so that another guy could come in and lead them to the next level. And, and I think that that may be a valid ministry for some guys. There may be some guys temperament-wise, um, gifting-wise, when that's the extent of what their ministry is. And if they're okay with that, then I think that could be a helpful thing to the church. I mean, Paul never stayed anywhere long. And so it could be sort of that that ministry of going in and helping churches get on a good footing. Um, for well, that, and that can go both ways, too, because um, yeah. there's some people that feel like there's called to do something like that. And it's completely unbiblical. Um, there was a, a, a pastor that pastored the church before um, that I'm at now before me and. But I, I can't remember his name, and it's not important. But right. he came in to the church, and the church was in a lot of debt and was struggling to pay off uh, the, a new building they had built. Right. Um, and so he came in, and his thing was he came into the church to help them pay off their debt and finish their building project, and then he was gone. You know, And, and at that point, it's like, okay, in the end, was that helpful? Yes. Um, but God, I don't think God has called anyone into the ministry to go around and help people pay off their buildings, you know, like, like, I just don't think that's like, that's not one of the biblical calls we see. Um, you're called to come in and shepherd a church. And if it, I mean, that's part of it, but that's not all you're called to a church to do. And so if you have this idea of I'm going to come in and, you know, three years we're paying off this building and then I'm gone, I I don't think that's going to be particularly healthy. So right. I think there's there's good and bad to that right. uh, to those kind of outlooks. Okay, last question of the day, um, and I think this doesn't go to the pastor. This actually goes to the church. What are some ways a church can help a pastor stay longer? What are some things a church can do that are positive that can help a pastor um, have that longevity? Um, and I th- I see James is back on, and he seems to have a good connection. James, you got anything you want to say to that? Yeah. Um... I would just say, as speaking to churches, okay, you, you're going to have to have a, a, a boatload, an overwhelming amount of grace. You're, you're going to have to shed grace on ministers. Um, right. and, and, and so just have patience and have grace because we are men in the middle of our sanctification process. And right. we want to be faithful. We want to do what's right. And sometimes our attentions are great. Execution can be poor. So just be patient with us and give us grace because believe me, that church is going to also need a lot of patience and grace from the minister that's being there. So I just think right. we keep the gospel the center of it and just let grace abound. Uh, I think we'd be surprised how well the relationship uh, can become strong um, and that minister become faithful and be there for an extended period of time for their good. Right. Yeah. I, I would. Yeah, I would say that in order for a church to help a pastor have longevity in his ministry, they need to manage their expectations. Right. Um, a lot of times a, a church will hire a pastor, and I've even, not churches that I've gone to, but I've had search committees that I have talked to that I could just tell in the process. They had such high expectations. They expected me to come in and because I'm a young guy, they expected me to come in and within the first year bring all the young families that had left the church back in and, right. and to do oh, yeah. this and to do that. And, and, they, and they pile up these expectations. And then, you know, I was kind of smart enough. Well, I don't, not that I was smart enough. I, I guess I avoided those because I tried to communicate to them that that, that might not happen if I come here. Uh, I can't guarantee that. But, and, and ultimately God did not lead me to those churches. But if I had gone to those churches, Nine times out of ten, I almost can guarantee it, 
a year and a half into it, if there had not been a bunch of young people come back from that church and families restored into their membership, they would have looked at me and said, we just need to get a better pastor in here. They, 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 they wouldn't have had healthy expectations. But if you come in and you call a pastor and your expectations are healthy, and what are healthy expectations of a pastor a church can have? A pastor who is going to love his people, a pastor who is going to be faithful to preach the word of God and not the opinions of man, a pastor who is going to be able to give them wisdom in, in counseling and in, and in discipleship, a pastor who is going to lead them in missions and evangelism. I mean, these are the things that are expected, um, but we need to be able to keep those expectations healthy. Right, and, and, and for me, I think just as closing, just thinking about this, I think for me the one thing that churches can do is to love their pastors well. Um, and what I mean by that is don't neglect um, you know, those, those important times in a pastor's life. Get to know your pastor's birthday. Remember Pastor Appreciation Day. Remember those little things. It, you know, I'm not saying that Pastor's Appreciation Day, you have to give your pastor a thousand dollar new suit and a new car, but, but, you know, just, uh-huh. a, 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 yeah, I mean, I would, now <laughs> church Antioch, if you're listening, it's a good gift. But what I'm saying is, I'm not saying I would say no to that. Right. So. right. <laughs> but love your pastor well. But I think even more important than that is to love his family well. Because Amen. if you remember that your pastor's kids are not perfect and don't have that expectation that your pastor's kids are perfect. Um, remember that your pastor's wife is not a pastor that your pastor's Amen. wife is a wife of a pastor and love her like you would anybody else. Uh, simple things that, that I think sometimes churches forget. Invite them, to, invite your pastor to eat at your, with your family. You know, a lot of times pastors live off from their families. So if you're having a family event, a family reunion, you know, people coming over to the mm-hmm. house, invite your pastor's family, just little small, yeah. thoughtful things that's, if you're not careful, you're going to forget, but they mean so much they to your do. pastor they and do. his family. And more important than me, I mean, I don't care if you remember my birthday, but remember my wife's birthday. Remember mm-hmm. my kid's birthday. Amen. You know, take my wife out to lunch. I mean, I'm fine. I'm going to call you and ask my guys to lunch. Ask my wife to lunch. Those are the things mm-hmm. that, to me, help a pastor stay long, are those little intentional things of love that they do. Any Any closing remarks, guys? Just a big hearty amen to what you just said about loving the family. Uh, it's, it's so important, so important. I don't want to echo over because you said it well, but that's, that was going to be something I said if you didn't cover it and you covered right. it well. James? I agree 100%. It's just, uh, remember your calling, remember to, to love that pastor, give him grace. I think you, you uh, explained it very well. And, and I, I just think keeping the gospel at the center of, of who right. we are and what the church is, it, we can go such a long way together. All right. Well, James, if you'll close us out, um, well, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you guys uh, for joining us today. Uh, we need some favors from you, if you wouldn't mind. One of those is to, to go on Twitter and look us up. Our handle's at Shepherd Small. Look us up, uh, uh, follow us, and share uh, our podcasts, our articles every week. Also, you can find us on Facebook um, at Small Church Shepherds. Just look that up, like us, put some reviews on there, comments. We would love that. 
Along with that, we need you to get, uh, if you have any information, questions, concerns, anything like that, we'd love for you to uh, go to our email at smallchurchshepherds at google.com. And then go to iTunes, look us up at Small Church Shepherds. Uh, What we need you to do is not only to download download, uh, our podcast, but also to write a review. And it has to be a five-star review. We demand a five-star review. Uh, But no, we need you guys to do that for us and just spread the word of what we're trying to do as we encourage and equip and uh, all these small church shepherds. Uh, You're a great part of that ministry. We thank you guys. God bless and have a great day.